0: Stay seated Thank you sir. Yeah I'll need that. Appreciate you. To this moment that I realized I did not get somebody to read scripture for us. So uh, we're going to read this together. It's Matthew 25. Um, So you all are encouraged to read scripture this morning with me. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes to clothe? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Yeah. I want to show y'all a. It's a quote. Uh, it was. There were several people just in the last week or two. They're like, "Hey, since you were talking about this, this got me thinking." Of this, so I want to honor uh, things that have been sent to me or said to me uh, because. As you'll notice very quickly, just things that even Brad talked about and we prayed about around the table. God has something, and I'm excited to walk into that this morning, Um, this word that just keeps coming up. And Anyway, uh, I just want you all to hear this and maybe marvel at it, where the Spirit is this morning, and then we're going to launch into uh, something. Uh, So just, this is out of Shane Claiborne's book, Uh, Jesus for President. And I'm going to just give you a moment to read it, and then we'll probably read it, or I'll read it for you. But just just a moment to to walk through that. (laughs) We're convinced that God didn't mess up and either make too many people or not enough stuff to go around. We believe... In an economy of abundance. A theology of enough. I want to say it like this. More than enough. God has given us enough to satisfy. Enough to quench. Enough to sustain. Enough to be okay. I just want that to settle on us, on me. Just a little bit now I know uh, as you look at this picture, first glance, it may just look like um, a simple Christmas holiday picture uh, with family gathered inside a home, um, and as you kind of look and now you 've had a little time, you 've probably noticed that more than likely, you do not recognize any of the faces shown here. Uh, and maybe since I was the one showing the picture, you started first to look for my ugly mug and if you didn't see my goofy face and maybe you started looking for Olivia's pretty face. If you didn't see that, maybe trail hiding somewhere. And because you haven't seen any of those things, you may not have invested much emotional connection uh, to this picture yet. Um, which is understandable because Through your lifetime, you have seen zillions, and I don't actually know how many that is, but a lot of pictures, stock photos, um, and you don't connect to it. Uh, Say, uh, all the times you go to buy picture frames at, I don't know, Walmart. Uh, By the way, has anyone ever left uh, one of those Walmart pictures that you bought with a stock photo? Have you ever left that out on display for... A considerable amount of time. Like, say you had a senior, like, churches love to bless their seniors, which we're about to do in a few months. Um, And you got towels, you got um, Bibles, you got stock photos. And when you put them up in your dorm room, you left it out for so long without replacing it with a picture that means something to you. So long that... Dorm mates actually thought you had a girlfriend. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Me either. So, cool. But no, this picture was taken, uh, I want to say about about a week ago. Uh, it is of 10 stranded South Korean uh, visitors that were heading towards Niagara Falls. Um, and they got stuck before they could get there. And if you've been paying much attention to the news, you've learned that that region has been, man, they have gone horrible tragedy a lot of life lost um and so i mean in fact look at what niagara falls looks i don't know if you can see that well but um it is partially frozen i don't know if it still is but um about and i think it was friday the 23rd around 2 p.m the storm had already hit in and like several feet of snow was already the roads were impassable um And there was this knock on the door of this New York couple. Uh, And there were two young men uh, who were standing at the door when the couple answered. And they simply said, hey, we need to borrow two shovels. Our tourist, our little uh, Ford van has gotten stuck in a ditch and we just need uh, to dig it out. Um, Alexander Campagna and his wife Andrea, their lifelong residents of Buffalo, Um, They were ready to wait the blizzard out. They had stocked the fridge. They had planned for a quiet uh, holiday weekend indoors if the power stayed on. And so this unlikely weekend began uh, because Alex and Andrea, they just welcomed uh, the 10 tourists in plus their bus driver uh, as house guests with the condition that they could stay as long as they needed, as long as the food held out. Um, and Alexander says later that they had become accidental innkeepers, uh, and I love that. So if you would, let's pray together. God, you have oh, it's said over and over, and I don't trust this. I don't know how to, God, that you have given us more than enough um, and how to be grateful in that. Well, Father, today as we talk about I don't know. I just feel like it's one of the things that's probably closest to your heart. Help me to do honor to that. Um, God, speak life into us. And we, may we be the kind of people that you need us to be. Not for our own sake, um, but, man, for everyone around us. God, for a world that desperately needs something real to latch life and hope into. God, make us the people you've called us to. May we allow room for your spirit to work. May it begin today. May it begin right now, God. May we drive our, our declaration into stone uh, that we want to be your people, Father. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Um, what if I told you um, that Scripture doesn't really say a whole lot of different things? You might be like, well, I've got a thousand and something pages that says you're wrong, Barry. Uh, it does. There's, there's a lot of pages here. But what, what if I told you? The scripture doesn't really say a lot of different things. It just says a very few things really, really well over and over again. Let me say it like this. Good morning. <laughs> Happy New Year. How are you? <laughs> um, it's the first day of a new year, and I feel that you come with sort of, I don't know, this, this expectation. At this point in the game, it's been a few weeks, your kids have been out of school. Uh, so maybe that feeling you're feeling right now is maybe a feeling of indifference. Uh, I get that. These are the exact thoughts that a few weeks ago when Jake said, hey, you're preaching and I'd like, oh, hey, these are the things that ran through my head. Because I didn't figure that you wanted to hear a sermon about New Year's resolutions. Because um, we know how those typically pan out. Uh, which, by the way, uh, how are you doing so far this year on your resolution? So far, so good? Hey, you've been to church every day this year. So that's, oh, yes, you're alive. I was wondering. Good. Good. Um, and Instead, I wanted to begin our year landing on something that I, and I think you'll find, is a very deep truth. I wanted to tug on the hem of something much bigger uh, and see it as it begins to unravel and become clearer before us. One of the things that Scripture says over and over really, really well, something so close to the heart of God that it may just be what He cares about most. And I promise you this morning to be short because I'm only five foot eight. <laughs> I want to be concise. I want to be prayerfully true to what God's heart beats for. So, turn with me, if you would, to Genesis uh, chapter 18. A little backstory before we get into the text. Yahweh, uh, the Lord, has come to Avram. Uh, Avraham, you may call him Abraham, Um, and he says, you're you're still the guy. In fact, I'm going to give you a mark. I'm going to give you the sign of the covenant. And this is different than a few pages earlier uh, where there's a story of Noah where God says, I'm keeping the sign of the covenant. And God says to Abraham, this partnership, I'm going to give you the sign of the covenant. I'm going to give it to you in a way that you're not going to lose it. I'm asking you to buy in to commit a little more into this relationship. So he invites Abraham into the covenant of circumcision. And that's where we're going to pick up. So the questions before us as we begin to read in Genesis chapter 18 are, what kind of guy is Abraham going to be in this new covenant? We've seen those who've come before. uh, How they start off so good, but they never finish well. They come to the tree of testing, and over and over, they fail. They choose their own way. What's going to be the defining mark of who Abraham is as a bearer of the covenant? And does Abraham become the archetype for the kind of follower that God wants us to become now, today, 2023? If you would, let's jump into the text, verse 1, chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up, saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, "If, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham's just been circumcised. And now what is he doing? He's hurrying about. Abraham has several hundred people in his household. We know this from Scripture. Send somebody else to do it. Send Eliezer or your head priest, your chief servant. Send Sarah. But this is the kind of guy who's going to get up right after an uncomfortable, delicate surgery. And he's going to hurry about to welcome guests that he sees coming in the distance. So that answers one of our questions really quickly. What kind of guy is Abraham? This is the kind of guy that God has marked with the sign of the covenant that says, I'm willing to partner with this guy. He's different. He gets it. Let's keep reading in verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three says of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf, and he gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. I don't know where you're at in terms of being hungry, but it sounds like a pretty good lunch. Um, From my limited view, it sounds like Abraham had prepared a quick lunch for their three visitors that is until you search how much this really is. Not to mention uh, the choice tender calf uh, that could have been used for sacrifice or the curds and milk. Let's talk about flour. Um, three C's, says, I don't know how you say it. Um, I'll give you just a little idea of what it possibly could have been. There's different, differing ideas, but this this seems to be about the summation of most of those. Um, A C is about two gallons of flour. Um, And I figure most of you probably have experience, especially, I mean, we just went through all the holidays. Um, With flour in the kitchen, you've probably put maybe a little on your face or rubbed a little on your clothes so that people would think that you were hard at work or maybe you were hard at work. But a little flour uh, typically goes a long way. I grabbed our our church, you may not know this, a few years ago, we were raising money for a Guatemala mission trip and Olivia put together, with all of y'all's help, like this cookbook. Uh, So I just went and I grabbed it. I went looking for recipes for bread. Um, Not very many in our cookbook, so if you're like, I'm going for the bread. Not a lot, but there was one I found. um, And it called for four and a half cups of flour. And the family that submitted this um, entry, I guess, quite a large family and so like It That's a lot of flour, and it would feed a lot of their family. It says in there, um, four and a half cups gets you pretty close to using about a whole pound of. If you ever, I don't. In my mind, I think there's pound bags of flour, but I know that they, they get bigger too. Um, I don't know if you've ever baked using three says of flour, um, but if you can imagine going to Walmart, going past the the picture aisle with the stock pictures, going past that aisle, get into the little pound bags or five-pound bags of flour, you would need to get enough flour to make as much as, and this is how it boils down in our story here, as much as 60 pounds of bread. That's a whole lot of bread for three guests. Again, though, Abraham and Sarah, you don't just see a guy who's, who's willing to accept people with some hospitality. You see somebody who's hurrying, possibly running, who is extravagant, who is going to go above and beyond the call of what's required to do the things that God has asked him to do because Abraham really wants to be the person that God has called him to be, the kind of guy that God wants to partner with. To that point, the running thing, the hurrying about. A patriarch doesn't run. A patriarch doesn't hurry. One of the things that gets talked about often in Middle Eastern culture is that patriarchs don't do anything. They have everybody else do these things for them. But yet, here's Abraham running and hurrying about. Now, we don't make our own bread anymore. We just buy the loaves, which, have y'all seen how expensive bread has got? <sighs> and milk. So it's hard to wrap our head around Sarah's ability to make this much bread this quickly. Of course, she has servants. Maybe they helped out. But the text seems to really want you to marvel at what is accomplished by Sarah. The miracle. That much flour would have made, and this is, this is guessing, but I think it's a pretty good guess. Made about 80 loaves of bread. It's, you know that even numbers don't divide well by odd numbers, but for three guys, that's over 26 loaves of bread per person, which is food for a month. All right. Y'all may remember why is my Siri? No, nobody wants to talk to you, Siri. Sorry. She's asking me questions. Seriously. I mean, no, don't say her name, because that gets you in trouble, too. Um, y'all may remember not terribly long ago, if you've been with us for a considerable amount of time, uh, especially the adult Bible class, the teenagers, we did it, too, some. But we went through a study by Ray Vanderland. If you know who I'm talking about, just kind of give me a little. Yeah, I remember that. That wasn't that long ago. Um, the dust of the rabbi guy, if you're, if you're like, what? This guy. And the one, he was always like, hey, come, come see. Huh? You're, you're there? Okay. Well, each year, um, he, he leads several groups of people on this tour through, uh, through Israel, seen through scripture. And one particular year, uh, the group he was leading happened to have one of the guys that we do our Monday morning Bible study. And I guess this is about to become a plug invitation, but Monday mornings, 8, 8 a.m., if you want to. Go through a good Bible study. Uh, we're in the typically the Fellowship of Tournasium um, having Bible study uh, 8, eight a.m. Going through Baymaw discipleship. There's this guy named Marty Solomon. He was on this tour, this particular with Ray Vanderlyn, and he tells this story in this podcast that that we've listened to, and it from the moment I heard it, like even now, it just messes with me. Um, kind of left me in awe, and, I, and I'm still trying to chew on it. So um, he, he retells his story in the podcast, and so I want to close our time this morning by just retelling uh, his story, and then, uh, then we'll be, be done. Um, one of the things that we don't often find ourselves aware of, um, especially sitting in our comfy chairs this morning in Canadian Texas, or perhaps... Uh, You're with us online. Haven't said hi to our online people in a while, but what's up? Um, Unless you've studied it or unless you've been there, the Middle East has this unbelievable cultural premium on hospitality. And the reason they have this hospitality, any of them will tell you, whether you're talking to a Bedouin, uh, a Muslim, a Palestinian, an Israeli, an Iraqi, they'll tell you, we are children of Avram which is children of Abraham. And I'm not sure if they sing the Father Abraham song like we do, but that's what they mean. I am a child of Abraham, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you. Anyway, Marty and his group with Ray Vanderlin were just outside of Tellerad. Uh, Ray took the group on this little hike. If you remember all the teaching videos, you can imagine this easily. And they started walking. They came over this little rise and all of a sudden you could see this little Bedouin settlement. And they were walking straight towards it. This whole group, 54 Americans, were walking right towards this Muslim village. All of a sudden, in the distance, all these little children. It's kind of like, if you ever messed with an anthill? You know what I'm saying? You don't have to like just, ah-yah, but just like touch it a little bit. All of a sudden, like all these ants, you didn't know were there. All these children just come running out of this little town. And they start running right towards this group. And of course, the group's first response, as I'm sure ours would be too, was being a little bit uneasy. These children just come running out to them and they greet them. They're just full of joy and laughter. They grab the Americans' hands and start walking and smiling, pulling them towards their homes. And the group can't talk. Kids don't know English. The group doesn't know Arabic. So they have this kind of weird interaction, half conversations, half just smiling and nodding as they they make their way into town. And when in the town, the kids lead Ray's group into the house of this lady. Her name is Khadija. She took 54 Americans unannounced. They hadn't called ahead of time. They hadn't scheduled their visit. They didn't book it it as an Airbnb. And she brought the whole group into her home. Everybody came in from the town from what they were doing. All the men were still out working in the city, but all the women came in. They all sat down in this large sitting room, kind of like a porch in their house. And they started making homemade bread. They emptied their cupboards. They got out these little glass cups for everyone. Are you imagining 54 people, plus your family, plus friends, coming into your house right now? Do you have that many cups? If Olivia and I scrounged everything, even maybe the dog bowl, (laughs) we might could offer cups for like 30 people. You're going to be drinking out of different coffee mugs. Some say Hemphill County Hospital, other things. We've got some fake Yetis, because real ones are expensive, so we've got fake Yetis. Trail's got a few thermoses from lunch boxes. I've got a Trek water bladder. You're very welcome to use. The Khadija serves everyone this homemade honey tea in these cups that they somehow miraculously produce as if they were waiting for moments like this. Then they served this group homemade bread. They ate bread, they drank tea until they ran out of stuff to serve. Ray reminded his group the important premium they put on hospitality. How it was one of the greatest honors and joys, he said. You as Americans are going to want to pay for this. Pay for her service, but don't you dare, because that will rob her of one of the greatest joys and honors anyone could ever give them. You are guests here. At some point during their time together, through a translator, they asked Khadijah, what is it that you want more than anything in life? She kind of got on her knees in the middle of the group and held out her arms, kind of outstretched, and she said, Salam, which is Arabic for peace translator said that she wishes that they could all sit here like this forever and dine together. Ray said if this village was ever to come under attack, every single one of these people here would lay down their life in order to protect you because you are their guest. It is an unbelievable experience to encounter Middle Eastern hospitality. They say, all these people groups say, because we're children of Avram. We're children of Abraham. Now that's radically different what I've grown up hearing about Middle Eastern cultures and people. Something that I didn't expect to find listening to a Baymall podcast and surely not preaching as we begin a new 2,023 year, preaching about something that I don't think I could do because I'm too worried about my own security. I find it convicting to consider what if we were at home and we saw 54 Muslims come over a cap rock past Odd the Dinosaur, or maybe driving in from Marshall Drive or Lake Marvin Road or past the Colwells because Melissa's up at 4 a.m., I wonder if our first reaction would be to send our four and five year old children or our teenagers who can legally drive, mm -hmm, our children, to send them out to greet this group half a mile away. Or would we lock our doors? Would we grab our guns? Or will we throw our doors open and turn the porch light on and invite the visitors, invite the alien, invite the foreigner in and make them a feast until we ran out of groceries? This might just be the thing that God cares about the most. Because it appears everywhere in Scripture. If you're going to function out of fear and if you're going to function out of your insecurity, we're not going to be able to put this world back together. Let's to put it in New Testament terms. The kingdom of God can't come to that place. The kingdom of God can't show up in a place ruled by fear, but a place ruled by trust. A trust that God's got this, a trust that God is for me, a trust that I can lay my life down on behalf of other people, other people who may think, who may act, may believe, may look, may be a lot different than me. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to function out of fear. I'm going to function out of generosity, hospitality, trust, self-sacrifice, because this is what God cares about the most. And if we trust God, and we trust that there's more than enough, Abraham becomes the kind of guy who is going to go out of his way to honor, to welcome, to generously be hospitable to three men he doesn't even know, who show up in the middle of the day in his tent, and he's going to hurry about it. And he does become the archetype of the kind of person that God wants us to be like. I still think that scripture doesn't say a lot of different things. It just says a few things really, really well. And Jesus picks up on this hospitality. Anytime you hear him speaking about yeast or bread or neighbor... In his teaching, guess where he's drawing from? In fact, the night before Jesus dies, his last words was not this sermon of what to do. It was an unbelievable, shocking act of hospitality. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he said, This is how I want you to live. You go and do this. You are people of the town. Hospitality is how we get closer to God. It's the key, not to just starting off a new year, a new day, a new anything. But it's how we move closer to what God really cares about. It's how we move closer to each other in love. So I guess, go home. Uh, go to the store, get some cups, get some plates. Whatever you can do to prepare to meet people. I mean, really meet people with hospitality. Overwhelming, shocking hospitality so that they know that God's invited them into that partnership. That's what has created us for. To be someone who shows overwhelming hospitality to anyone that the Holy Spirit Rings, or that we go out and find and he wants you to hurry about it I'll leave you with that this morning Um, if you need anything we have shepherds who will love to pray with you or if you need to come and we as a church can spend time praying over you we would love to if you would be standing we'll sing together oh you need this I need to click now. I lost in sin, but Jesus took me in and little light from heaven, filled my soul.